sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Hey folks, good evening and welcome to another episode of Phantoms and Monsters Radio where we explore the strange and the unexplained. I'm your host, Lon Strickler, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, the Fanners of Monsters Radio channel is made possible by you liking, subscribing, and sharing our programming. Uh, super chat donations and super thanks donations are essential for us to continue offering you our unique content. And you can also support the channel by using the Buy Me A Coffee link or banner in the description below. So, um, your consideration is very much needed and appreciated. So tonight, we have a Mothman Wing Humanoid Roundtable. And we have joining us first, Tobias Whalen, who's a passionate Fortean who has been actively investigating the unusual for over a decade. The first several years of his investigative career were spent as a MUFON field investigator, and following that, he investigated independently prior to becoming the head writer and editor of the Singular Fortean Society. Now, Tobias is a frequent guest on various podcasts and radio shows, has contributed to several books on the paranormal, and is often invited to speak at paranormal conferences and events. He has also featured the Small Town Monsters documentary, Terror in the Skies, in the series premiere of Expedition X, for his work investigating Mothman sightings around Lake Michigan. He and his wife, Emily, have been involved in the Lake Michigan Mothman investigation since its advent in the spring of 2017, and recently published the book, Crown-Linking Experience, uh, The Lake Michigan Mothman, High Strangest in the Midwest. His years as an investigator have served him best by illustrating that when it comes to the anomalous, the preternatural and paranormal any answers he's found are still hopefully outnumbered by questions and you can find the singular 14 society at singular14.com manuel navarette is the founder and curator of ufo clearinghouse as an inactive paranormal investigator he is currently one of the chief investigators of the Chicago Lake Michigan Mothman phenomena, along with Lon Strickler and Tobias Whalen, and a member of the Fams of Monsters 14 research team. Manuel has been interested in the paranormal since the age of 17 and has had multiple sightings of UFOs and recently of a winged humanoid at the Chicago O'Hara uh, International Airport. Uh, the, website, the website he found is UFO Clearinghouse is a website dedicated to and committed to providing the most up-to-date information on recent UFO sightings, reported alien abductions, and cryptid sightings. It is designed as a place where information can be freely exchanged and accessed by paranormal researchers and investigators for the reason of furthering the search for the truth. And that can be, UFO Clearinghouse can be found at ufoclearinghouse.wordpress.com. Travis Short is a native of Virginia. He trained and served earlier 
in life as an ordained minister before, before pursuing his career in broadcasting and eventually media relations. He developed an early interest in the paranormal and supernatural with the zeal for UFOs, hauntings, and the occult. He became interested in the events around the Mothman sightings after reading about the original events in the book by Jerome Clark. He, Charlie McCracken, and Matthew Fleming began an in-depth investigation in 2003 that culminated in 2009 with the first feature documentary on the topic, Dark Wings, the Mothman Chronicle. He holds a degree in communication from the University of Virginia's college at Wise and pursued a master's degree in theology from Masters International School of Divinity. He currently serves as Chief Marketing Officer for Vectors Partners, LLC, a technology firm in Tennessee, and is founder of Phoenix Publicity, and along with Matthew Fleming, is one of the producers and researchers for Dark Wings, the Mothman Chronicles. From 2006 to 2009, he served as feature speaker at the Mothman Festival, addressing the spiritual and religious implication of the Mothman sighting. So, guys, thank you for joining me this evening. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. Well, I think I'm gonna, what I'm going to start out with is this whole Mothman wing humanoid phenomenon in general and what you think people are actually seeing. Now, I had a sighting years ago. I know, I know Manuel had a sighting at the airport about a year or so ago. Uh, but still, I mean, we've been investigating this phenomenon for a long time now, all of us, in some whatever capacity. What do you believe we're dealing with? Uh, let me start out with uh, let me start out with Travis. Well, you know, much like you guys, I find the phenomena very interesting for lots of reasons. But my personal belief is we're not dealing with a cryptid, and I and I've made that known on several different uh, broadcasts and podcasts and things like that. I do believe we're dealing with something that is either interdimensional or something that is spiritual in some component. I, I do believe that very, very heartfelt. I, I mean, when you say you don't think it's, could it be interdimensional and encrypted? Uh, possibly, possibly. Yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't think it falls into the same category as say Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster, that, that sort of thing. I think we're dealing with something that is, is totally unique. Mm -hmm. uh, in it's in its in its makeup and the descriptions that are being uh, given uh, in in its activity and in the the feelings that people have when they interact with these entities. Hmm. How about you, Manuel? I kind of agree. I mean, we are dealing with a cryptid, but I mean at the same time, it doesn't fit the description of like a flesh and blood cryptid, like you would like Bigfoot or you know. Um, you know, upright canines or something like that. Mm -hmm. It seems to, um, you know, materialize at in and out as, at will. Um, how many times have people just say it straight up disappeared? Uh, in fact, one of the mm -hmm. recent sightings, the guy says it blew up <clears throat> in the air and just outright disappeared in front of him. Yeah. Um, I mean, somebody tells me it's either ethereal or it's able to open, you know, dimensional gates or some kind to jump in and out that or it has some unnatural ability to cloak itself um you know i was um there's a something really interesting i saw not too long ago about a as a documentary on sharks um i was watching with my son but 
sharks have kind of a dual camouflage. So if you're looking down at them from the surface, they blend in with the darkness underneath them with the water. But if you're looking up at them from above, they have a white underside um, that allows them to blend in with the, the light that shines from above. So it breaks up their silhouette. Um, maybe this thing has got some kind of adaptive camouflage. It's able to do that. You know, um, it's able to see us and, and or make itself known or disappear right in front of us. But I kind of think at the same time, I agree with Travis. I mean, it's not a flesh and blood creature, or if it is, it's able to jump in and out of this reality, you know, at will. How about you, Tobias? Well, you know, it's it's difficult to make any sort of firm determination uh, when it comes to to this being or entity or or category of beings or, or whatever. Um, I think that it's easier for me to say what I don't think it is then it, it, it would be for me to, to say what I, I actually think it, it, it might be. So um, I think that, you know, just like Travis and, and Manuel have been talking about, I, I think that there is plenty of, uh, of, of evidence, you know, in, uh, in the eyewitness testimony that should sort of steer our thinking away from, you know, something easily uh, I- I explained using, um, mainstream science, you know, it certainly doesn't seem to follow very many rules of, of biology that, that we would expect if it was, you know, some sort of, of undiscovered biological species. So um, that's, you know, that's the thing that I can say for sure, you know, and, and beyond that, yeah, I mean, we can only speculate. Uh, I, uh, I, I do find it interesting that, uh, that some witnesses have described this thing as uh, disappearing very suddenly. You know, other people have even mentioned portals. There are the, the seemingly paranormal aspects uh, like the glowing red eyes, the uh, feeling of fear or uh, as though uh, one is being probed. Uh, people have talked about feeling like the thing basically just looked right through them, you know, could see into their soul almost. Uh, and so that's, that's not normal. That's not something you would expect. Even people who are terrified, um, you know, who, who run into a bear or something in, in the woods, that's not how they describe their experience. You know, it's, it's, it's a different kind of fear. Um, and so I think what, whatever it is, you know, uh, uh, assuming that, uh, that we can trust the eyewitness testimony. And it, it, at this point, you know, I don't have much reason to, to think that I can't, then we really have to consider that, that what we're dealing with is something very, very far outside of our current understanding. Yeah. Well, I, I think we can all agree that these are not indigenous beings. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they're not here all the time uh, unless they're damn good hiders. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I kind of find I kind of find it hard to believe. That they're here. I mean, of course, with the sightings we've had, even going back to um, even going back to Point Pleasant, those were fleeting sightings for the most part. Though that thing in, in that being in, in Point Pleasant made itself well known. Uh, it was somewhat aggressive and, uh, and and kind of stuck around for a longer period of time, but would you know would take off. Uh, and the same what's going on in around Chicago and some of the other sightings we've had around North America uh, that these things. They show and they show themselves and that's it. I mean, you know, 
Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think any of the evidence that we have collected in the recent years demonstrates something that is here all the time. I don't know what you guys think about that. Uh, do you think do you think there is a possibility that it's indigenous or or not, uh, Travis? I, I think that one's a is a tougher call to make. Right. Um, you know, you you mentioned Point Pleasant. Going back to that, you know, that was a, a span of sightings over thirteen months. Now, mm-hmm. the the Chicago sightings right now, we're we're getting pretty close. They've been going on for how long? Oh my God! Well, it started in two thousand eleven, and with yeah. three. So we're talking right. eleven years. Yeah. So I mean, the, the, these sightings have been going on much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if if, if there if this is an indigenous entity uh, to planet Earth. Or if it is, as you said, this this entity that that sometimes comes into our reality, and I don't even know if they are intentionally coming into our reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sometimes they are. I think Point Pleasant. It was an intentional. There was definitely intelligent intent in Point Pleasant. Uh, mm-hmm. It did. It you know it, it showed up at multiple locations. It chased a car. There there was an intent in those sightings. Um, as far as it being indigenous to this world, I don't know. Um, I, yeah. That's a tough call. What do you think, Manuel? I kind of agree with Travis. I mean, they are not um, as prevalent as, you know, other cryptids. I mean, look at uh, the Sasquatch. I mean, they've been known for centuries. The Native Americans spoke of them, you know, Sasquatch, I believe, means man of the woods, the old man of the woods or something like that. Um, But so many uh, native tribes from all over the world has talked about the Sasquatch. I mean, you have the Orang Pendic in Indonesia. You have the the Yeti in in, um, Tibet. You know, you have uh, Yowie. You have, you know, just so many different variations of these uh, creatures. And they're all in the historical record. Because, you know, from passed down through the Native Americans, I mean, almost every, I would believe it'd be like anywhere between, what, 90 to almost every Native American tribe has some kind of story that's Sasquatch related. Um, The flying creatures, the flying humanoids, they've been around. I mean, there's stories, reports of them from, you know, you know. The 1800s, you know, in Germany, uh, they and you know there's sightings in Vietnam by American soldiers, um, and not to also mention you have like the flying, you know, entities like in uh, Aztec and Mayan, like Quetzalcoatl, um, and some of these other um, entities, you know, but they are not as I would think I'm more apt to believe that Bigfoot is more terrestrial than these entities. I mean. These entities seem to come in and out, um, disappear. They don't make their presence known. Um, there are sightings that people have a Bigfoot that last. They can last, you know, repeatedly, you know, for minutes, you know, even hours. These things, I don't think we've ever had sightings that have lasted more than maybe a minute or two. Um, yeah, they're not long. Yeah, they're not very long, and they disappear. So either they're shifting in and out, like Travis said, of our dimension in, unintentionally, and just being seen, or there may be 
again, either able to camouflage themselves so no one sees them or only allowing themselves to be seen for fleeting moments, you know, moments before they either shift back to their reality or just completely disappear altogether. Mm. Can, I, can I piggyback real quick? Yeah. That, just real quickly. Um, because what Manuel was saying struck a chord. Every culture has encounters with and a belief in flying entities. Everyone. Uh, but they have never been viewed as indigenous to this world. They are always no. coming from somewhere else, right. manifesting themselves. So I think he, I mean, he hits on a really, in, a really important point there is that while Mothman, and I still hate that term, uh, and, and I'm, I'm in, I'm in media and I hate the fact that they coined that term. Yeah, um, we got, we kind of got stuck of that. We got, yeah, we got stuck it. with that. Um, yeah. But that, that entity as far as I'm concerned, has been seen for millennia by mm -hmm. every culture and every people that exists on this planet, but the entity itself is not indigenous to this planet. Tobias? You're muted. Ah, yeah, well, there's there's the um, Mothman at work sabotaging my my yeah. There we go. Microphone naturally. I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and blame him. Um, no, uh, you know I I think we have to uh, really consider that word indigenous. You know um, now is it? Do I think that these winged humanoids um, exist? in the same way we do in the, the same spaces that, that, that we do all the time? Certainly not. But I, I, I don't think that that rules out them being uh, indigenous to this planet. Um, you know, if, if you consider something like uh, multidimensionality, right? So, and, and, and when, I, when I use the word dimension, I, I really mean it for, for, for what it is, not referring to some, you know, uh, parallel universe or something, but you know, as a, a, a in in aspect of the the universe that you know mm -hmm. you you either are privy to or are not. So as three dimensional beings, um, you know, we we have width and and depth and length, and and that's how we experience things. Now, if you can imagine something that um, was privy to more dimensions, like how they might interact with us, might be very similar to how we would react to something that um, only had two dimensions, for instance. So if you can imagine a creature who's perfectly flat, right? Like they only have two dimensions and here we are, these, these super beings with three, a whole nother dimension. And how we would interact with them is we would be able to enter their dimension at, at which point they could interact with us or at least observe us or part of us um, and withdraw ourselves uh, at will. And it would seem like amazing magic to them. And they probably wouldn't be able to wrap their heads around how or why we were able to do it. But that doesn't mean that we aren't uh, existing around them all the time. We're just not entering like they're like a, a dimension that, that they're able to to perceive. Like we're just not in a, a dimension in, in which they also exist. Um, and so I think when you apply that thinking to um you know the 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 mothman problem mm -hmm. um, i think it allows for them to be indigenous to the planet without having to exist um 
on it in the same way that that we do. And I think, you know, when when you look at the the history of of winged beings in in culture, um, then you know it would be fair to say that it's possible that, that they could have, have been with us forever, frankly. Um, and, and if so, maybe that's how they uh, exist alongside us without, uh, without existing in the exact same way. Well, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, You know, we, we, we've had some pretty interesting developments with our investigation over the past six months or so where we have had possible interaction with these beings. Um, and Manuel has had that. And I think Tobias believes he may have had it uh, to some degree. Uh, we have two other members of the team who have had this interaction. Uh and from all indications that these are some type of ultra terrestrial being that uh, is, is making its way onto our earth plane. Now, do we still believe that? Is that something that, you know, even though it hasn't been as to the degree it had been before, uh, do we still believe that that's very possible? And, uh, uh, do you think it's still it's still something we can pursue? I honestly it, think it is something that's still, a, you know, within the realm of possibility. But, I mean, when it comes to investigating the paranormal, I mean, everyone got to, has to kind of agree, you know, everything's within the realm of possibility. I mean, it could be, you know, extra dimensional. It could be, you know, I've heard people say it could be angelic. It could be demonic. Um you know, um, had a very interesting conversation with not somebody not too long ago who was saying that um, maybe it was angelic because uh, they did cite that, you know, what you see in Christianity is portraying of angels. It's not exactly what, you know, they exactly look like. Right. Um, some of them are very different, especially the upper angels. Um, but I kind of think that this is still an avenue that's still there for possibility, you know, for exploring. I mean, uh, we had a lot of extensive contact with them. Everybody, a lot of people on the team have had extensive contact and, you know, experiences, myself included, uh, Tobias included, you know, it could be that they maybe, you know, you know, backed off or kind of cooled their heels a little bit. And, oh, and maybe this is just, you know, we're, we're seeing them revamp again or, you know, revamp their activity again. But, it could be anything. I mean, it could be still be, you know, angelic, demonic, extraterrestrial, ultra dimensional, um, even ultra terrestrial. You know, if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, mm -hmm. um, it could be any number of, of things. Um, the object for investigators like us is to, you know, peel back the layers and try to expose it and try to, you know, get to an answer. Um, you know, even, you know, let's say extraterrestrial. Look at look at um, um, so many reports, especially if you read it, if you're really into like the Dolce reports on uh, the Dolce sightings and stuff. You know, so many reptilians, um, many of them called dragos, uh, which are upper echelon, you know, royalty um, kind of cast, but they have wings and they have the ability to fly. Um, 
you know, things such as, you know, maybe gargoyles. Gargoyles have been around. They're winged creatures that have been with us since basically the dawn of time. Um, how do we not know that any of these things, you know, it's maybe this is what we're seeing as the modern day version of it. Possibly. You know, we got a question here from Android Purity, uh, which kind of ties into this. If cryptids like Mothman and Dogman are coming from another dimension, then do y'all believe they are from the same or different dimensions? Well, I, I can say from some of the, the information that we have received, uh, and this is coming through our team members, Jennifer and Bernadette, uh, that they do reside on a, on a linear plane, a linear dimension, where many other cryptids that are described on our Earth plane reside. Now, we have no proof of that. We just This is just what we're being told. But uh, I, I think there's a, a strong possibility that may very well be. You know, I've, been, I've said for a long time, and, you know, others may be starting to become more open-minded about this, that I think Bigfoot and other cryptids are some type interdimensional being to some degree at some point. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I think, you know, especially when you look at some of the, the sightings of Sasquatch and Bigfoot, they do have non-corporeal traits. They, they sometimes they're seen and then they immediately disappear. Mm -hmm. um, you know, on the, the show that I was on with, with Kev Baker and, and Bill Bean and Derek Stroman, we had a couple of Bigfoot sightings that came on and they'd watched a Bigfoot actually walk through a fence, not mm -hmm. destroy it, but just walk through the, the actual material onto the other side. Um, so I think all of these, these entities do, do exist. Uh, you know, as you said, are they all kind of in the same zip in, in the same interdimensional zip code? I don't know about that, but they all exist in that, in that realm. And going back to what Manuel said, you know, about angelic demonic, you know, again, I think that is humanity's way, especially from an, a Judeo-Christian ideological, theological sense to put a framework around something. So I, mm -hmm. I think that what we call angels and demons may be what the, the indigenous people of this planet, other cultures, other other countries have called other things. Uh, Quetzalcoatl, fiery serpent, the winged serpent that brought, you know, brought knowledge. In, in the Judeo-Christian standpoint, you got the seraphim, which are the fiery serpents that fly and 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 are messengers. And then you've got the cherubim, which are winged entities as well. So I think a lot of what we, the four of us and other individuals are doing is basically tearing away preconceived ideas of what these entities are and trying to reframe that in a in a broader scope that doesn't tie it to any one culture, any one religion, any one people, but it's the incident itself. It's the entities themselves. Uh, we have another question from Davy Jones Locker, and he's asked, what do you guys think Mothman wants? You know, that's a question I think we've all been battling with for a long time. Um, personally, uh, I, I think that these beings have been among us for a long time, maybe not as much now as at one point. Uh, and uh, and that's why it's great having Travis here because he's ordained minister and he was, you know, graduated from a theology 
backing. And uh, I, I think the um, from what we have heard and, and understand that these beings that we're experiencing or people experiencing in Chicago uh, may have had issues with the monotheist uh, believers and which actually ended up having them being persecuted or removed or, you know, they've gone back into the shadows or into the other dimension. Uh, I don't know what they really want. Uh, can any of you guys give a give any thoughts on that? that maybe what do they want? Boy, that's uh, that's certainly the the question, isn't it? Um, you know, I've my opinion on that has uh, has has fluctuated. Will yeah. will say you know uh, quite a bit over these these past several years. You know, at, at first, the fear seemed so prevalent in the the sightings that I, I I couldn't help but think that that was the point. You know. For whatever reason, I, I really couldn't wrap my head around what else uh, these entities would be gaining out of, of interacting with people because it, it, it certainly doesn't seem as though they need to. Uh, they, they should be able to avoid um, in, encountering anybody if, if, if that's their goal. But instead, uh, you, you seem to have these things showing up um, most intentionally terrifying people and, and then vanishing. Um, you know, and, and as time went on, I, I guess I, I still keep that sort of in the, the, the back of my mind, you know, but, but I, I don't know that it's the entire point, you know, it, mm -hmm. it could be the point of particular uh, interactions because they, they have some motive for scaring people off. Um, now, the reason that I, I'm, I'm starting to, to sort of think in that direction now is um, based on some uh, spirit box sessions that, that we've had recently, uh, my, my wife, Emily, and I. And in our most recent one, um, I, uh, I intentionally tried to, to contact the, the beings referred to as the unseen ones. Uh, who you know may be responsible for, for some of the the winged humanoid sightings uh, around Lake Michigan, and um, we certainly seem to be in contact with with something. It was an, an interesting conversation, and um, during it, uh, I got the idea that the the narrative being spun to me was was more or less that um, they had been present, uh, you know, during some of our other experiences. So, uh, you know, I, I know we've talked uh, considerably about the, the Kettle Moraine State Forest, for instance, and, and uh, the experiences we've had up there. And so, um, you know, they, they claim to have been present for some of those, um, maybe all of them. And, uh, and then went on to talk about um, certain, well, what I got out of it, you know, the, 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 the narrative, again, the narrative that seemed to be presented to me, you know, it's possible that I was, I was misinterpreting something, but this is what I, I believed it to be. And, you know, going on to talk about, uh, you know, potentially certain areas being more open, you know, the Kettle Moraine State Forest being one of those, apparently, and then um, talking about some kind of risk. And, and that was, to me is something that they really stuck out because I thought about it and I thought, okay, well, if there are specific areas, say 
that are of interest, you know, to these these beings or or entities. And there's some level of of risk involved, you know, be it to them or or be it to us. You know, wouldn't it make a certain amount of sense um, if anybody were to blunder into to one of these areas, um, especially if it happened to be at uh, at some particular time that was particularly high risk for them to just want to scare people off, you know, be like, well, you shouldn't be here right now. And and the best way to get rid of you is to to scare the crap out of you. So you're 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 going to want to leave. Um, and then the only other you know really interesting thing um, that that stuck out to me during that particular conversation was the. Um, Big water was 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 mentioned, which is kind of funny if 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 you think about it, because it seems like a, a nonsense term. But you know, Lake Michigan is 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 big water, right? Like that's that's a hell of a lake. Um, and so it seemed to me that there was some kind of connection with that as well, you know. And that's something like when I started referring to the the, the Lake Michigan Mothman, literally Lake Michigan was just a convenient. Uh, a geographic location that seemed to sort of be the epicenter, but not necessarily directly related to everything happening around it. But I, maybe there's there's more to it than than uh, than I uh, previously suspected. Well, I think this is a good point to start going into what's been going on lately. Uh, now, most people are familiar with what we've been dealing with with these sightings in around Chicago, especially around O'Hare. So let me, uh, and Travis, I know you can bear with us here, but you're, you're familiar with what's going on with these sightings. So yep. um, uh, anyway, Manuel, you've been receiving these reports. So uh, this Bensonville, I don't know, what are you, a flap of sightings? Yeah, I want to say had, flap. <laughs> yeah, I think we've had five of them within the last three weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, I had one years ago from the same area. Now, for those who don't know where Bensonville is, the southwest of O'Hare International, it's about a mile and a half or a little bit more from the cargo area or the cemetery at O'Hare where a lot of these other sightings have been culminating at. So uh, there may be a direct connection there. But anyway, go start off with what has been going on in Bensonville and what people have been reporting. Well, I mean, we had the uh, the one that first started was the uh, one with the gentleman who was a truck driver. He worked for a company that did a, um, a kind of a construction rental company. They rent out like man lifts and portable generators and, you know, um, loaders, stuff like that. And his job is that he's a truck driver. He takes his stuff, pick, drops it off the construction site. And when they're done with it, they, he goes and picks it up and brings it back to the yard. Well, he was um, bringing one back. Um, it was already nighttime and he had just arrived at the facility, had dropped off the, the, uh, the, um, had dropped off the, um, the man lift. Um, basically, he says it's it's just um, he was using an RG in a removable gooseneck. So basically, unhooks from the trailer. The trailer becomes a ramp, drives it off, hooks back up, and was getting ready to you know take the truck and park it when he saw movement. And toward the back of the facility, they have uh, 
storage containers. Basically, they're they're uh, overseas containers, which you see like all over the multimodal containers. But they have them. They had bought them and use them for storage. Um, so he went back there to check because I mean they have you know literally millions of dollars of tools. You know, not only do they rent you know construction tools, they rent like you know jackhammers and all sorts of other stuff. So this stuff is used for storage. Um, and he just wanted to make sure no one was back there trying to get into one of these containers and steal. Um, he says he saw movement. And he starts yelling out, you know, I don't know who you are. You know, I'm going to call the police if you don't get out of here. Um, that's when he was confronted with a seven foot tall winged humanoid. But he says the weird thing was it was chirping at him. It started with chirps, been clicks, and been chirping, and been just rapid fire clicks. Um, I believe this is the one that he said that he was a history buff. Um, he was comparing it to. Um, in World War II, the um, Allied, especially the Airborne, had uh, little clickers, little mm -hmm. brass clickers that they carried around. That's how they communicated with one another. They had, uh, you know, a set of predetermined uh, clicks. That's how they ID themselves and were able to communicate. Uh, he called it a man bat, which I was kind of really hesitant. I mean, being a DC fan, I mean, I was kind of hesitant to call it a man bat, but that's what he called it. Um he says it stood up and started clicking at him and then, you know, seven foot tall, thin, large wings. He says it took off into the air as soon as he, you know, he had grabbed a, what's called a maglite, which is a very long, thin, um, aluminum cased uh, flashlight. You see the police carry them. Mm -hmm. They're not, not only can be used as a, uh, as a flashlight, but they can also double as a baton. They carry a lot of heft to them. Um, and he started approaching it. He shined the light at it, and the thing took off on him. Um, so he was scared. You know, he ran. He said he practically sprinted back to the truck um, and got in the truck and, and you know, parked it and got, you know, pretty much got the hell out of there. Um, I believe a few days later, we had the second sighting. And this second sighting was only, I want to say, two to three blocks away mm -hmm. from the facility. Um, in an almost diagonal direction, going to the from you know south to west, um, and it was seen on the same day as the previous sighting. Yes, exactly. Uh, right around the same time, uh, mm -hmm. somebody was coming home from work. Uh, she had pulled in her driveway, got out of the car. She was walking toward the house, and she kept hearing like chirping, you know. And she looked up, and she saw a what she described as a thin man with wings. Uh, fly over. She said that it was just high enough above the trees and the, the houses to clear them. Um, flew over her house across the street uh, where another neighbor saw it and then just flew off into the night. Um, and if you draw a diagonal line, it's almost just a straight shot. So mm -hmm. what I'm thinking we saw was maybe, you know, same being being seen by somebody else. Um then we had the uh, sighting with, um, and I do had to mention you went out there and investigated, and um, oh yeah, uh, the Chicago police were kind of interested in what you were doing because the Bensonville police, yeah, oh, I was, they uh, you were prowler. Yeah, uh, they, they someone called me in and said I was casing houses, <laughs> and because I'm out there with a camera and and just taking, you know, 
photos and looking around and yeah. they must have thought I was casing a house or something. And well, I guess that's well, understandable. Once I explained it to them, they kind of understood. They just told me, you know, be careful. And, you know, I kind of wrapped up and left. Um, so didn't want them thinking I was trying to break into somebody's house or something. Right. But um, the um, couple of days later, we had the incident with the couple. It was mm-hmm. two witnesses. They were out for a walk. Um, I don't know if you know, you know, Tobias can, can you know, vouch for me. But lately we've had like a light um, string of late season cold snaps. And eventually the weather started just turning warm and everyone just started going out. So they were out, you know, enjoying themselves, you know, enjoying the, the not having to wear coats and jackets and everything out there. Um, so they were by the elementary school. Um, they said that they had, um, heard the same thing, chirping, clicking. Um, they saw a person on top of the school, um, of the building itself. And he had, they had caught it as they were spreading open its wings and just jumped, basically took a leap off the building and flew off over the playground across the field, you know, and into the night. So um, it was dusk. So when the sighting happened, so they were able to still see the the object um, flew right over the top of them. Um, scared, scared the living live in daylights out of them. Um, so much so the uh, second witness did not want to talk about it. He did not want to even deal with it. Um, they were, um, the first witness was very, you know, forthcoming, but they said it was a very scary experience. Um, and then, um, just this week, we've had a couple of sightings. Um, the first one was an Amazon driver, um, out doing his deliveries. Um, he said he had dropped off some packages at the house, was walking back to the van when, um, he again started hearing clicking and chirping. And this is what's tying all of them together. Not only the basic area, which is, I want to say within a mile and a half, you know, area of where all these sightings are happening, which are right on the end of the airport. Um, But they are, they, every encounter with this entity lately has all been the same thin, you know, frail, you know, large red eyes. And then, um, but the clicking and the chirping is something completely different. Yeah. That's something I don't think we've had experience with at all with these sightings. Yeah. And, you know, people have always said, you know, it's looking right at them and chirping, clicking. Um, almost makes me kind of think like it might be either a form of communication or maybe um, kind of like how dolphins use a clicking sound to, oh, to location. Yeah, kind of be able to see and determine what something is in front of them. Uh, humpbacks are very well known, to, or not humpbacks, I'm sorry, sperm whales are known to do that. That's how they hunt uh, in the depths of the ocean. But uh, this thing was on top of a house. Um, it was looking straight at him when he saw it and scared the bejesus out of him. Um, he says this thing just took straight off in the air and just basically disappeared. Um, he was saying he was trying to look around, look around, trying to find it. Maybe it went behind the trees. He says it just disappeared on him, just completely out of sight. He walked back to his truck kept looking around, got in the truck and left, was still looking around, never saw anything else again. Um, and then the final sighting 
was the one that um, I actually was at this afternoon uh, in the area just to do some field investigating. I will probably be going back with my son tomorrow with it. Uh, but it was a, um, a father and a daughter setting up outside. They were setting up uh, the patio, you know, putting the barbecue grill out and everything, um, getting ready for some events. Um, they looked up and they saw the daughter said that they she pulled her attention. There were three flying um, beings. Um, he described them as men with wings um, that were about 60 to 70 feet up from they were just circling. Um, he described it in the report as circling like buzzards. Um, but he said that these were distinctly um, human shaped objects. Um, the daughter was able to get a short video and some pictures, which uh, I submitted to the team as well to the, uh, to the website. So if you want to go see them, uh, they're either going to be on phantomsmonsters.com. Well, or, we've, got uh, them. we've got them here. So I think Vincent yeah. will put it up in a minute. Yeah. Um, he said, he, and it was kind of funny. He was saying that uh, I'm not an electric, I'm an electrician. I'm not a photographer. He was trying his best. I'm guessing they were using a cell phone. Uh, so they weren't able to get like great detail, but it's still something. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing was when in speaking with him, um, this gentleman sits in almost direct line about a mile and a half from the runways of, of, uh, O'Hare. Um, that's why I went out there today to check the area. And as I was telling you guys, I, I worked in the area when I first started, you know, my career, um, that area is where the, the the planes are coming in on their final approach to O'Hare. They are very slow, low, and loud. Um, I mean, we're talking jumbo jets and, and whatnot. There is no way somebody can describe what these are on the uh, screen with, um, a let's say, a 777 flying over your head. Um, mm -hmm. They rattle everything around there. And this is like... I think the, the queue for O'Hare on a busy day is like 45 seconds apart from one another. So as soon as one's landing and getting off the runway, the next one's already on the final approach. Mm -hmm. um, he says he's lived there for, I believe it's a little over 10 years in that house. So he's used to the planes flying overhead, but he says they're so low and slow that you can see great details. You know, you can actually see, you know, individual pieces of the plane and everything it's there's no way you're going to confuse that with uh these objects these objects were 60 70 feet up in the air they were small they were you know circling around there's no way somebody's ever going to be trying that i don't even think parachutists get that close to each other uh, and you would have seen a parachutist no one's going to the, the position where they were at would have put them directly over the expressway um, I don't think anyone's crazy enough to even try. It's residential neighborhoods on both sides of the expressway. Um, so parachuting into that area would have just been crazy. Uh, so that ruled it out. So I'm apt to believe him. Um, you know, he did say he was open to speaking with him. I, um, you know, I did tell him I was going to put him in contact with some of the other investigators. He was very open about it. Um, he was just straightforward, you know, he's just, he says that, um, you know, I saw what I saw. It's like, um, the pictures aren't great, but, you know, we got what we could. And this is, you know, a good thing. I mean, teenagers always have their phones in their hands. I know mine does. Um, 
it's practically surgically implanted to his hand. So, you know, this thing is um, um, a stroke of luck. She was able to get pictures and a short video of it, but even though some, it's still something, and it's and it definitely shows that this is a uh, not a plane of any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, it could still be a bird. It could still be a group of birds. Um, but um, I'm more apt to believe that you know maybe he did see something that um, was beyond his explanation. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, well, I, mm-hmm. and the thing is, when when I was reading that that sighting. Um, report you know once once you sent it over and, and looking at the the images and everything i was really reminded of nothing more than the pilsen sighting from 2018 where you had the guy mm-hmm. bicycling to work and you know he saw this weird thing in the air and he got a bunch of gopro uh footage because he had a, a gopro camera attached to his bicycle helmet which was awesome you know i wish everybody did that and uh you know i talked to him i know lon talked to him uh we were both in agreement that that this guy was completely forthright. Like he was describing his authentic experience when he talked about seeing what he described as either a giant bat or a man in a wingsuit, you know, but like we, we, we got that footage from him. He was honestly, he was so forthcoming with that, that he, he mailed me the SD card, like the original SD card. Like Mm -hmm. this guy had nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. But we, we, We got that footage and we, we blew it up. And it was a bird. Like, it was definitely a bird. I think it was something big, like a, a great blue heron or something, probably. But 110%, it was a, a bird. And so when I'm reading their sighting, I don't think these people are lying. I don't think that at all. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, but I do think it's possible that uh, that the actual explanation for their sighting is something similar to what we saw out of out of Pilsen in, in 2018. Uh, it's just oh, yeah kind of lacking the other paranormal stuff you know like the it's it's like daytime and 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 there isn't you know any of the other paranormal aspects i think that that we really look for um in the uh the the more you know otherworldly profile of of these sightings you know what i mean now you know what (laughs) will be interesting if we start getting or hearing reports out of a hair of people saying they're seeing ufo activity over hair it starts looking like what he get captured well and that's i was thinking the exact same thing that image actually looks more like some of the more recent uap footage yeah than it does anything else yeah and we've had we've had craft sightings with some of these reports uh we had the uh oh, we had the, the one over rest haven cemetery we had the thing with uh, rest haven plus we had the um lake michigan security guard yeah. that that had the uh the the uh, V-shaped craft, along with the sighting as well. So um, we also had the one of uh, Montrose Harbor, and uh, right. the one that was reported to Mupon, where they saw a green orb, yeah. um, flying across the horizon, um, just after seeing a sighting of a of a winged humanoid. So, um, I, I think whatever whatever it was, I mean, it's it's, I mean, I'm not an expert. I can't. Uh, go in there and tell you if it was, you know, Photoshop, but I mean, I would think that it's, it's kind of hard to do that with a cell phone. I mean, yeah, these things, it shows that there is something there. I mean, cell phones don't have exactly the greatest um, resolution unless you're talking like higher end phones, like the iPhones 
the newer iPhones or something like that. It's but, always frustrating when you get a shot like that and trying to zoom up on it, hoping to God you're going to have something there. It's going to be definitive, and it just, just right. never works out. We got a question from Scott Baker, and I'm going to throw this at Travis for his opinion. How come you think these monsters, or in our case, Mothman or winged beings, have different eye color? Good question. Especially the glowing red. red. Glowing red. Uh, as opposed, I mean, because the way people describe these things are, it's not reflective. It's more projected light. Yes. And I know when I had my encounter back in 88, it was the same thing. It was a projected light. What, are your, what do you think the reason behind that is? Well, sure, I get that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> give it to the guy. Give it to the guy who used to be a preacher. Um, <laughs> no, um, you know I think there's there, there's there's different ways to look at this. You know, real quickly, one of the things I was going to point out when Manuel was talking, the the way that the the eyewitnesses in in the most recent sightings describe this this entity are almost identical to the way that Linda Scarberry described her sightings. Right, a tall, thin, muscular man with wings. That, those were her exact words. And like I said, that's why I hate the, the misnomer Mothman. There's nothing moth-like, insect-like about it. Uh, the glowing red eyes have always been part of this, this history. And I think possibly because these entities are coming from another dimension, uh, there's a different energy about them than there, there is about us. You know, we all, as humans, have different eye colors. Mm -hmm. uh, these entities that, you know, seem to always have this glowing red, this glowing red eye. And, and Lon, you're right. Uh, you know, a lot of people tried to describe it away as being reflective, but the eyewitnesses never describe it as reflective. It is always emanating from within these beings. Right. Um, and I think that's because these beings a higher energy frequency, a higher energy level than what we are as human beings. Well, I, I tell you that they, they have not always been red, though I'd say 95% of the oh, eye yes. colors have been red. We have had blue eyes up in Wisconsin, and we've had green eyes up in Milwaukee. So uh, I don't know. Are they are are they from the th same dimension, or are they just something, or maybe it's perspective? Well, and, and maybe their eye color dictates their dimension. Maybe that's absolutely. Where, maybe that's where they're coming from. You got red eye entities, blue eye entities, green eye entities. Um. So you know, going back to another question that was asked, you know, what do they want? I'm not so sure that maybe they're not just curious or interested. Well, that may very well be. That that they may be as intrigued by us as we are of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that another thing with this unseen and hopefully, you know, since Tobias is using a, uh, a ghost box on this and trying to get information, I've got one too. I may start using that while I send it over to Jennifer and uh, or Bernadette to have them see what they can find. Uh, they have been told that these beings that we are seeing are juveniles of their species. It's kind of a, like a rite of passage thing. Um, that the, the, 
the higher ups of the hierarchy don't go out on these ventures and that the younger ones go out uh, as part of what they're supposed to do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand the whole thing, but, uh, you know, if that's the case, then this has been going on for 11 years now. And, uh, it may be something they have been doing all along, but just now it's starting to get noticed. And, you know, of course the history of these, you know, the history of the flying beings and the flying or winged humanoids and others, uh, when you, when you put it all in all together, it, it's, it's fairly similar, uh, even down through history. But, uh, I, I think you all can agree that what's been going on in Chicago in the last, especially since 2017, is quite unique. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's anything that compares to it, to be honest with you. I mean, and one of the things, I mean, this last sighting, I mean, I I know that there's something there. I mean, could it be a bird like Tobias talked about? Um, we don't know. I mean, I recently saw a, got to see a herring for the first time, you know, up close. Um, there was one in the field across the street from where I work. Mm-hmm. And you don't think it, but they are huge. Oh, they're big. They are some big birds. And I'm talking this thing was maybe standing four, maybe four and a half feet tall. Um, just, um, I just happened to look out the window from my desk and saw it. And I was like, wow. I mean, this I can imagine it being, you know, late at night or something in low light conditions or something that could, you know, scare the living daylights out of somebody, especially if you're not used to seeing them, um, you know, up close. I mean, it's, this thing took off. It's a wingspan was immense. Um, so, I mean, could it be? Yes. I mean, the thing with the eyes, I mean, could it be, we just know so little about, you know, even now, in modern times, we know so little about animal animals and their physiologies. I mean, uh, example, look at uh, like the mantis shrimp. It's it's able to see in so many colors that some of them we haven't even discovered yet. Um, I think its eyes can pick up, I believe, what was it, Tobias, about 14, 15 different spectrums of light. Yeah. Um, That's a sore subject with me because I used to have a reef aquarium and got my thumb busted open by one of those things one time. Yeah, and oh, yeah. I mean, they, they do that. Uh-huh. They oh, have, they're, they're awful. Yeah, I have a I have a buddy of mine. His actually busted the side of the aquarium. Oh, they cracked. That. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, but there is so much. I mean, look at the um, some some animals. They look like their eyes glow. I mean, look at alligators. If you look at them, you know, if you're ever down south and you shine a even a, a low intensity light across the water, you're going to get met with a whole bunch of eyes staring right back at you. Um, how do we not know that these creatures maybe don't collect the light kind of like a cat's eyes do, you know, they have that and it reflects back. It looks like it's glowing, but all it's doing is it's collecting what little light our eyes can't see and just reflecting it back to enhance their vision. Well, and maybe the other thing is, you know, maybe their eye color reflects their emotions. Mm-hmm. And and we associate red with evil, and 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 something uh, uh, ominous. Uh, that's not necessarily the case. It's a color, you know. Uh, it's it's like, you know, I kind of adhere to the George Carlin mentality when it comes to bad words. I don't think there's a bad word. They're words. They're they're a construct of different letters that are tied together. We associate red with evil, demonic, ominous. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe this is 
the maybe we're seeing their emotion. Maybe they're as scared of us as we are of them, and we're seeing it in red. Maybe if they're blue eyes, they're not scared at all. If they're green eyes, you know, maybe they come from Ireland. <laughs> uh, we have another question from David Jones Locker. Do you think it's all connected with ghost, poltergeist, UFOs, Sasquatch, and Faye? Oh, I think I think there's a connection between all this stuff. It's to some degree, uh, you know. It seems like every time you get into an investigation nowadays, uh, when you start talking to the witness, it seems something else has has been going on in their life as far as paranormal or supernatural that they just decided not to, to talk about because they didn't think it was connected. But invariably, it's something that may very well have been connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about that, Tobias? Well, sure, definitely. You know, I mean, that's that's something I, I always ask when I'm, I'm interviewing a, a witness. I'll, I'll say something like, you know, um, have you had any other uh, unusual experiences, you know, prior to or since like this sighting that, that you are currently reporting? And uh, and as as often as not, you know, they they actually do. You know, I mean, I can give you an example that sort of ties in directly to this question. There was a woman in Madison, Wisconsin that I, I spoke to had to be a couple years ago now. And she wanted to talk about this series of winged humanoid sightings that, that she had had with her, her mother. And while these winged humanoid sightings were happening, they were also experiencing a haunting or, or what appeared to be a haunting in in their their home um you know i'm talking about a very classic sort of like haunting phenomena like hearing the covers open and, and all the dishes fly out and everything crashing to the ground only to run out and find nothing disturbed or uh there was a, a frightening incident where um the candles in uh her, her aunt's apartment just like lit on, on their own and almost, you know, burn the, the place down. Luckily, somebody noticed in time. And so, or, or uh, you know, this is a, a very Keelian one. Um, they uh, they would hear a, a baby crying with, with no known source. Like they couldn't figure out where the sound of this baby crying was, was, was coming from. Um, and this is all during the, uh, the, the uh, uh, winged humanoid sightings. And so there's definitely some kind of, uh, uh, connection. Although, you know, I, I don't know that it's fair to say that it's, it's all the same thing. Uh, I, I like to think that it is uh, disparate phenomena operating under the, the same or a, a, a similar set of rules. You know what I mean? I, I think that whatever the, these things are, um, you know, be they, they ghosts or, or, or Mothman or, or Bigfoots or, or, or whatever that seemingly interacts with us in paranormal ways, they're, they're doing so under the same set of, of rules. You know, like it's there, there, there are physical laws in place that are sort of regulating how they, they, they do these, these seemingly paranormal feats. And so there seem to be a lot of similarities, but it's, it's mostly just that they interact with us in similar ways. They don't necessarily have to be the exact same thing. Hmm. Anybody have anything else to add to that? Well, how many times have we seen... I'm sorry, Travis. Um, no, no, no. Go for it. Uh, how many times have we seen where people have had 
UFO sightings, abduction experiences, and many of them almost exactly mimic a poltergeist event or vice versa. They're having a poltergeist event, and yet, you know, everything they're describing sounds like the typical abduction scenario. Um, who's not to say? I mean, that it could be any number of things. I mean, hearing a hearing a child cry for no reason at all brings, you know, kind of raises my hackles for kind of a few reasons. I live in the Midwest and um, I'm there, there's a there's certain things I won't say that are the only things that really scare me to death. So uh, hearing a baby cry is one of their signs. So I'm not going to even talk about it. So, um, but how many of these things so, so t- t- intricately tie together shadow people uh, encounters with abductions with alien sightings or ufo sightings or vice versa and 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 i i agree with exactly what all three of you have said and i'm just going to add one dimension to that and that is that all of these things i do believe are interrelated in some form or fashion but it may not be the experience it may be the experiencer i we are receptacles we receive and we put out and so you find individuals, we call them skeptics, disbelievers. They've never experienced anything in their life. Well, maybe that's because they're not on that, that I don't want to say spiritual, but that, that vibrational level where that they can see and experience. Mm-hmm. Going back, you know, the saying that we use is, I'll see it when I believe it. Mm-hmm. But if you guys ever, and, and all of you are old enough, maybe Tobias is not old enough, to remember Laverne and Shirley. And Lenny and Squiggy. Oh, yeah. And Squiggy used to, he would he would always screw that saying up and he would always go, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. And I think yeah. sometimes that's the case. We individuals see and experience UAP, UFO, Sasquatch, Mothman, winged humanoids, poltergeist activity because we're already sensitive and inclined to believe it and to experience it. I think there's something to that. And I, you know, as we have been getting sightings from Chicago over the years, I, I do believe that certain people are attuned to it, uh, to seeing these things, uh, just like people who are intuitive and able to sense or see certain things or, you know, apparitions or sense spirit energy. And, and as far as being able to see, say, a Bigfoot or a winged humanoid or any other type of cryptid, maybe they are able to see it, or maybe these beings have the ability to show themselves to specific people. And, uh, you know, some of the things that we have had in Chicago where people who have, I mean, have, there have been groups of people when these sightings occur. And at some occasions, it's like either one or two people will be able to see something and nobody else sees it. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Tobias? Well, you know, that it's interesting that, that you bring that up because that's something that sort of runs the gamut uh, among paranormal uh, uh, phenomena, right, is this experience of multiple people being in the same place. And, and, and sometimes they'll all see whatever the, the uh, event is, but sometimes only certain people experience it. And, and I do think that that speaks towards either an 
uh, 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 intentional behavior on on the part of of the the entity or or, or phenomenon, or um, you know the the sort of uh, intrinsic ability uh, of certain people to experience things that 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 others just can't. You know, I I, I think it almost has to be one of one of those two. I mean, at at, at the 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 very least, you know, when when you talk about people being able to um, experience things that, that, that other people can. I mean, I, I always dislike it when, when the, the, the conversation sort of steers itself in that direction, because I, I, I don't like, um, you know, the, the kinds of people who uh, treat something like that as a sort of superpower or something similar, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it, it seems to be common enough. And, and I don't know, that the the missing element isn't exactly what Travis was already talking about, where uh, they're just not open enough to it. So it's not as though like the people seeing it are necessarily special um, in, in, in any way that uh, nobody else could be were they, you know, to, to get in the, the, the right state of mind. But, yeah, I mean, you're you're all absolutely right on um, that. That does certainly seem to be the, the, the case. And, and there's something to it. You know, it's funny when we first started looking into this phenomenon. Uh, well, Manuel and I have been looking at this since 2011. Uh, but then when we brought uh, a team together, and then, of course, it was mostly us three working on it. Well, we had um, we had other people, too. I mean, of course, we had... Um, we had Rosemary and Ellen Guiley on the team as well. But anyway, we uh, the one thing that, that was interesting was we were, we were all trying to figure out what the hell these things were <clears throat> and how they were manifesting and why they were manifesting. And, you know, some of the more interesting concepts were other than interdimensional, we were talking about witchcraft, occult, uh, uh possibly summoning and I, I i still believe there's something to summoning there i i think the the point pleasant uh mothman was a summon being That's I, I, I do not disagree with that yeah uh and i i know you do i think you and i talked about that we one. we have before. yes <laughs> um but we looked at a lot of different things and we had you know it's funny when i wrote the first book the Mothman Dynasty. I had everybody on the on the team who was investigating it give their opinion as to what it was. They thought it was, and we had all different. You know, it run the gamut. I mean, people had their opinions. Um, I wonder if if your opinions, and I'm talking to Tobias and, and Manuel, have your opinions changed as we have gone on with this? Gabe evolved. Um... You know, we when we first when the book first came out, you know, I was, you know, 100 percent sure in the camp that this was a, you know, a literal flesh and blood, you know, uh, entity, you know, unknown to science, a true cryptid. Now, I'm not even sure I'm not. Um, it could be any number. They could be summoned. It could be ultra terrestrial, extra dimensional. You know, um, it it had my views on it have changed a lot, especially since the uh, you know interactions with the unseen ones, especially after my experience. Uh, you know, yeah, my views have it evolved, and they have become a little different now. Mm -hmm. 
What about you, Tobias? Yeah, you know, I mean, very similar to uh, Manuel. You know, I, I certainly my uh, my opinions have um, evolved since the the beginning of the investigation. But I, I, I think that's only natural. You know, when when you're involved uh, with with something like this, um, I uh, I very much try to avoid making any sort of firm determination you know with with without substantial evidence and i you know i think one thing that 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 most of us can agree on is is that we don't have sufficient evidence to say that this is exactly what what people are seeing you know now there are instances like specific cases where you can identify like, okay, this was, you know, a misidentification or, or something. But like, by and large, when we're talking about the really weird stuff, which let's face it, that's what everybody, you know, really wants to hear about. When we're talking mm -hmm. about the weird stuff, the potentially paranormal stuff, um, you know, like I, the only thing that I am sure of um, is that it is just as weird today as it was in the spring of 2017 when, mm -hmm. when I, I first got uh, in, involved in investigating it. And, you know, like I, I, I said before, um, as this case goes on, I, I think the likelihood that the potentially uh, paranormal cases are, are represented by an undiscovered biological species, I, I, I think that likelihood shrinks daily. I mean, it just, it, it just doesn't make sense at, at this point. Uh, Vincent asked uh, what Rosemary thought was on these beings, and she thought it was interdimensional. Uh, actually, she told me that from the very beginning. Uh, she didn't believe that they were indigenous beings at all. So, um, and, you know, because uh, we were looking into, like I said, we were looking to the occult thing and the summon thing and all that, and she came right out and told me, because, you know, when we were getting reports, Rosemary was getting a hold of the, the witnesses and following up, you know, with all the sightings. So, uh, but she told me she thought it was interdimensional. Well, and, and Rosemary was, you know, one of the leading experts on the gen phenomenon. Oh, and you should you 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 dealt with the Mothman Festival, so you know because she was involved oh, with that. Oh, a lot. Uh, yeah, I actually have have uh, lectured with her and sat beside her and yeah. and, and everything. And I think, you know, and again, I think, you know, the, the Point Pleasant Mothman, yes, you and I have had that conversation. I do believe that that particular manifestation was a summoning in, in some form or fashion. Mm -hmm. And again, I think, you know, and that's why I brought up the gym thing, because I'm not exactly sure that, you know, again, we attribute good, bad, evil. Th those are words that 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 fit our humanity. That doesn't right. necessarily mean it fits these entities. Mm hmm. Um, that doesn't mean, and, and that's where my, my theories and my beliefs in this have, have changed. I thought from the beginning, Mothman equals evil and, and there was no in between, but I'm not sure that that's the case. I think that there are multiple types of these winged entities that are manifesting. Mm -hmm. Could they be good? Could they be evil? Could they be totally complacent and not either and we're only projecting what we feel and what we believe what we've taught been taught to believe about these entities mm -hmm. you know um we were lucky enough to have rosemary give the the initial presentation of this phenomenon in 2017 at the, the mothman festival uh, and uh boy i'm telling you that really where it kicked off at because we uh she she actually 
and I don't know if you guys know this story, but there was a sighting, and I forget what neighborhood it was, and when I go back, I'll know it. But anyway, one of these sightings of this being was on a house, and we figured yes. out that that house belonged to one of the women who was there at the presentation by pure happenstance because she had no idea about anything to do with Mothman or anything like that. I mean, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was the damnedest thing. It was almost like she was pulled there and there to see and to find out that her house was where one of these things was seen on the roof. It was weird. It was really weird. I mean, when, when Rosemary told me that, I, I was kind of, I was really shocked by it. But, uh, you know, the synchronicity, you know, who's to say? I mean, it, it, we, we get a lot of cases where synchronicity comes into a lot of the stuff. Uh, you know, so, um, who knows what we're in for? I, I think, I think this is, you know, it has been slow sightings. I have been, the sightings have been slow over recent months, but we do get one or two that just come in and it's like, wow, now we got a chirping being or we got something else or something else going to, you know, we've had other humanoids that have been seen in relationship to these winged beings. We had UFOs. Um, a lot of a lot of other things. But you know, I I just don't I'm just trying to trying to imagine what we're in for, actually. Uh are we gonna get something else? Are we going to get uh some evidence to point as to what these things really are, as to why they're really here? Uh we had you know it's almost baby steps now, but um and it seems like, like, I mean, it's been going on now for, I want to say, what, a little over a month, maybe? We had the uh, the initial sighting with the uh, couple that were, you know, parking. Um, and then we had the um, the sighting where the people were at a party, where they described it as having, like, a mantis head uh-huh. um, that uh-huh. was on the roof of the neighbor's house next door watching them. Uh-huh. Um, and there were, I believe, six, seven witnesses at that one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, those people. And the, this kind of ties in a little bit to what you guys were talking about earlier, being able to see things and not see things. Um, because that one sighting, everyone described it as a lechusa, which um, if you know what it is, it's a uh, it's a Mexican-American folklore uh, thing, but that kind of ties into me with the um, with the um, the flap that we had in Little Village. Mm-hmm. How many, so many people were seeing this? How so many people were were saying this? It was the same thing, and it kind of got me thinking while you guys were talking about that. That it could not only just be vibrational, like Travis was talking about. That some people are more tuned to it. It could also be cultural. How Absolutely. many of us grow up listening to stories? Our grand, my grandmother used to scare the living daylights out of me and all my cousins at night into behaving because of the, of the lechuza. Don't go outside at night. The lechuza could be out there for you. You know, don't go near the river because the Yorona's there. Um, so many of these things were so um, were so ingrained in us, and so many of my the people in my family also practice. Mm-hmm. You know, you know cultural what you know uh, witchcraft like you say like you know curandera they were brujas they were into santeria um all of that stuff is like 
it's culturally ingrained into us as we grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, to many of us, it's just the fact that to us, the lechuza exists because that's all we heard about as children. I mean, that's that's the stories, the folklore of, of where we come from. And that kind of, I kind of think that maybe that kind of deals a double whammy with somebody, let's like, say, who's maybe Hispanic or maybe somebody who's, let's like, say, Irish because they might see the fae more because culturally they grew up with it and maybe they're also in tune to the vibrations of being able to, of seeing these things because of the way they grew up. You know, this is something that's interesting too. Now, of course we had people who don't know little villages, uh, mostly Hispanic neighborhood. Um, we had 11 sightings in, mm-hmm. in little village. But if you go back and look at all the sightings in Chicago, there is a very high percentage of Hispanic witnesses. Mm-hmm. Now, I wonder why that is. Again, I mean, so many, a, a lot of the Hispanics that come, that are in Chicago, and I can say that because I've been here for now, I've been married to my wife now 19 years, but I've been here a lot longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, they're, they're transplants. They're kind of like me. Um, and most of them grew up in the area where I grew up, like in Southern Texas. I grew up in West Texas, but they come from like the South or they come from Mexico. Um, they carry that, you know, they carry that, you know, that cultural teachings of their, you know, their grandmothers or their abuelitas and and their mothers and fathers, you know, using those stories, you know, to, to, telling us these stories, you know, trying to get us to, you know, scare us into behaving or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that can be a very powerful um, trigger. I mean, that could be something that, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, there's a Jewish uh, belief called the Tulpa. Right. You know, it's a belief system. But if you put so many people believe in it and so many or you believe strong enough or you be, so many people believe in the same thing, it actually the legend says it comes to life. Um, who's not to say that things like, you know, lechuzas or something like that, that most of us, most people who are Hispanic see it because they grew up with it. They grew up listening to their grandmothers or grandfathers tell these stories or warning us about going out, you know. Or something. Um, how many of these things that you know, um, people who have things happen around their house who are maybe of Irish heritage or came from like first, second generation um, Irish Americans don't have the stories that they grew up with listening of the Fae, and they just immediately assume it's Fae. They got Fae in the house or something. Um, so many Hispanics that come to Chicago are transplants, and many of them are either first, second generation. They're very you know, still very well in tune and especially in the little village area, you know, you go there and you don't go more than a few feet without seeing the signs of that, you know, of, of those beliefs. Well, you know, you know we have talked about, we have talked about a, a possibility of some of these settings being thought forms or tulpas, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's been part of our, you know, nomenclature with this from the very beginning, you know, we've been grasping at straws early on. Uh, 
So, uh, you know, I can I can definitely understand that. Uh, I don't know. What are what do you other guys think? Do you think there's a possibility that there may be a class association, culture association with these things? Well, I, I think it's it's an interesting point. And I'm really glad that that Manuel thought uh, to, to mention that, because I, I think it's in an undervalued point in, in, in the general discussion. But I, I do think it's very, very important. Um, and uh, I, I think that we've got a few different possibilities here. You know, I mean, it's it's possible that our perception of of these beings is shaped by our our, our own belief system. So if if you know you've been taught to to believe in something like the uh, Lechuza or or you know uh, fairies or 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 honestly in the 21st century uh, aliens you know anything like that Bigfoot um, maybe um, the entity the, the 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 being itself is is able to have some kind of of understanding of of your expected you know uh of what it, it's supposed to look like and and can sort of modify it, it, it to uh it, itself to, to to meet that expectation or or honestly um when i look at a lot of these these sighting reports and and you have people who will try to, uh, you know, describe things in terms of traditional belief systems? You know, you you, you just as often have people who try to describe things in terms of a movie they've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so I think a lot of it is just people trying to describe the impossible. You know, trying to find the vocabulary to explain to you uh, something that is so far beyond their understanding, the best they can do is try to find something in, in their own life that, that, that they can relate this thing to. Um, because otherwise, like you, part of our job as in, in investigators is stripping away narrative until we just, in, in, until we're left with nothing but the actual story, you know? And, and so when I think, I, I, I think when you st- Strip away this narrative, you know, be it uh, uh, Rechusa or, or or demons or um, what was the other one out of out of uh, little, uh, little village uh, goblins or something, right? Like oh, it, it, a duende, yeah, yeah. duende. Yeah. That was a deep cut for this this uh, this particular in- investigation. But yeah, if uh, once you strip that 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 stuff away, um, the actual meat of the experience is 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 very, very similar across every single case, you know? So I, I think uh, it's entirely possible what we're looking at is just people trying to place these experiences in a cultural context that they can understand. Could it be kind of like, um, you know how they say when the, the human, the way the human brain works, that it tries to always put a face to something. It tries to put a, it fit, tries to fit it within a parameter. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, so who's not to say, well, how many people are going to be disappointed if the aliens do show up and they don't all look like, you know, um, the typical gray, you know, big eyes or um, what's the show, Paul, Um, you know, or or if, um, you know, to somebody, maybe what if these creatures showed up to somebody who was maybe of Arabian or Middle Eastern descent? It might look to them, it might look like the jinn, you know. 
it could be any number of things. If, if you say to me that you're, you're an angel, well, two things are going to pop in my head. Either you're going to look like, you know, the angelic, you know, um, archangel, like what you see Michael, or I'm going to think you look like Castiel from some, some from supernatural, um, you know, but that's just how my brain processes it. Um, how are we to say that these creatures aren't doing the same thing? Like Tobias has said, they're they're forming their view, so that maybe we're not. They're not scaring the living hell out of us. I mean, um, like, and Travis would probably agree. Most people, when they think you ask anybody who's like of a Christian faith, what does a uh, a cherub look like? Most people think little babies, you know, with wings, and they're so cute and everything. Little fat naked babies. Yeah, they're little not anywhere near that. They don't no, look like anything like that. They actually, they actually have four faces. Mm -hmm. That you know, most people it's think like demons. They look a certain way. They don't look, you know, so many demons look completely different from what you think. Well, this you is know, one characteristic about being human. Everybody's got a different perception of everything. Yes. I mean, you can almost count on, if you put something right in front of 100 people, you're going to get a different description from most of them. You know, it's, it's just not going to, you know, it's just not going to be the same thing. No. Uh, that might be what's going on here. But, you know, it is interesting as well how consistent some of the sightings have been. Um, as a matter of proof and what people are actually seeing. So, um, I don't well, know. And, and that was that was true in the original Mothman sightings in Point Pleasant. There yes. were over 100 sightings over 13 months. Right. And there were what some people would call discrepancies, but I would call them there were variations. There were variations in the height. There were variations in the color. There were variations. Some said that it was wearing like a tunic. Some said that it was totally naked. There were all of these variations. And so in 2003, 2004, I was one of the first people to posit the theory, well, maybe there wasn't a moth man, maybe there were moth men. Right. Maybe mm -hmm. there were multiple manifestations of these entities. You are not seeing the same thing, but you're seeing this, you're seeing the same entity or the same uh, representation of these entities in multiple locations and multiple times. And we're still getting sightings down there. We really oh, are. Oh, yeah. I mean, it never stopped. No. I mean, I've had a, I've had a couple dozen sightings in and around Mason County over the years. So, um, yeah. Well, that's and that's the interesting thing when you go to Mason County and you talk to the the individuals there, you you get a split. Never yeah. been seen to since the collapse of the Silver Bridge, or we're still seeing sightings. Right. It, it it's it's one or the other. So, I let me uh, let me mention this uh, while we're here and we're all together. Um, as some of you may know, uh, Doug Highcheck from Monster Quest and I have formed a production company together. And we are in the process of uh, making either films or documentaries based on these Chicago sightings. And, and, and actually, it's going to be going beyond that as well. And as time goes on. Uh, it, it's still a work in progress. We're still getting things together, but we are pitching it. And Tobias and, and uh, Manuel are going to be part of that as well. So, I, you know, th this whole thing, uh, you know, and look, it's, it's, this continues on. These sightings continue on. We're going to keep looking into this. And I'll be, I would really like for us 
and I like the idea of having Travis come in on this for another opinion, uh, somebody who's familiar with the phenomena and, uh, and, you know, to interject his thoughts on this. So I'd like to be able to do this every once in a while uh, as a round table for us for to come on, if that's okay with you all. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I, I love hanging out with you guys. <laughs> What does that say about my social life? But I love hanging out with, with the three <laughs> of you guys on a Friday night. I mean, this is <laughs> well, the usual suspects. There we are. There you of go. Course. <laughs> so I tell you, um, let's go ahead. Let me go around with each one of you and have you tell us what you have planned coming up uh, as far as investigations or uh, lectures or whatever you plan on doing. Uh, and uh, how people can get in contact with you. Let me start with Travis. Um, as you know, um, and um, Manuel and, and Tobias may not, um, I'm working on a reissue of the Dark Wings documentary. I've been I started that right around the time that COVID hit. That screwed everything up. But we are still working on a on a, a re-edit and a reissue of that documentary film. What I basically do, of course, I'm not. Right now, I'm not part of any group or anything that does active investigations. I'm mm -hmm. more of a researcher. I like I follow what you post, Lon. I try to share it as often as I can. I enjoy reading it. Um, as far as presentations or anything like that, nothing really coming my way. They can find me on Facebook. I'm R Travis Short on Twitter at Travis Short. There's two T's in Short. Uh, I'm on Instagram. You can find me on almost any social media platform, LinkedIn. Um, and I try to, I do a combination of posting things about what I do for vectors, what I do for Phoenix, and then what I do in my, my research time for the, the paranormal, the supernatural. Tobias. Uh, yeah. So, um, well, I'm currently working on my, my third book, which I, I think will be a, a, a fun one as well as an, an interesting one. Uh, we're going to call it singular 40 society's guide to Yuletide high strangeness or dealing with, um, not just uh, sort of traditional folklore um, surrounding, you know, that, that particular season, although there is a lot of weird stuff and I'm excited about being able to, to dig into that, but also sort of modern sightings of, of unusual phenomena around that time of year. Um, our next appearance is going to be at Haunted America in Alton, Illinois. That's going to be uh, June 24th and 25th. Uh, Emily and I will be, of course, representing the, the Singular 40 in Society um, and we're teaching a workshop on uh, how to uh, begin to investigate if, if, if that's something in, in which you are interested in doing. So um, <laughs> I believe that event is sold out, uh, unfortunately. But if you if you happen to be going anyway, I, I, I will uh, join us in our, our workshop. Um, you know, otherwise, if you want to keep up with us, uh, you can always go to our website, singular40in.com. Uh, you can find us uh, on social media. We're on all of it. Uh, just look for uh, the, the Singular 40 in Society. And uh, if you like what we do enough that you want to be a part of it, I hope you'll check us out at patreon.com slash singular 40. And Manuel. Uh, well, I'm going to continue my uh, investigations. I will actually be going out to Bensonville tomorrow uh, with my son, who is um, also an investigator as well, uh, with UFO Clearinghouse. And we will be, you know, visiting the sites of the uh, the last one, which is the father-daughter sighting, as well as going to visit the sighting, um, the last sighting before that, 
So we will be in that area where the Amazon driver, you know, saw we taking some pictures uh, to post to the website. But um, you can also catch me. I'm on social media. You can find me on uh, Chicago Mothman and Wing Humanoid Sightings, which is a group I have on online as well as UFO Clearinghouse on all social media. Um, you can also find me at www.ufoclearinghouse.com. Well, very good. Well, so guys, I uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, we got a lot of information out there, and uh, whenever we do get more stuff, we'll put it together and uh, come up with another roundtable discussion. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm glad that you are up to coming back. And uh, but in the meantime, you know. Just stay well and have a great weekend, and I will talk to you all soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, you guys. Good seeing you guys again. Looking forward to the next time. Take care. Yeah, great to see you guys. Take yeah. care. Now, if you've had an unexplained encounter sighting, feel free to contact me through the Fams of Monsters blog site. Now, I want to again thank Tobias, Manuel, and Travis for joining me this evening. And thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. If you made a Super Chat donation, it's truly appreciated. Your support is what makes this possible. So please like, subscribe, and share. Uh, if you have a sighting or encounter report that you would like to be considered for the personal report show or even posted at the website at phantomsandmonsters.com, Feel free to forward to my email, lonstrickler at phantomsandmonsters.com. The, uh, the Worldwide Winged Humanoid Project is still asking for reports. So if you have a sighting in the Chicagoland metro area or anywhere else for that matter, please contact me at my email or you can call at 410-241-5974. So next week... My guest will be Lee Hamful, and Lee is um, he's the farm property owner along the infamous Bray Road in South Central Wisconsin. He's had several experiences involving the cryptid canine uh, over the years, and he will join us to detail the phenomena. So it should be a very interesting show. So until next week, stay healthy. Have a safe, enjoyable weekend. Good night. 